Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, and I just want to call something out real quick, folks. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Twitter's bringing back the blue checkmark and changing the blue checkmark to be an orange checkmark for official accounts. It's not sitting right with me, and um, I think that's something we needed to to address here at the top of the podcast. Only some are orange so far. It's really, you know, it's it's such a strange situation. The World Health Organization is not orange. They're still blue? Yeah, they're still blue, which is kind of funny to me. I saw a lot of men's basketball accounts gotten orange, and then like the colleges, women's. like college, and they kept all the women's blue, and people were getting mad about it. So it's yeah, it's, it's a real mess. Elon really claps to you for really taking over Twitter and doing a fantastic job. There's been no issues, no problems whatsoever. And uh, before we get too political with this, all about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, uh, there is JMU sports to talk about. I know it doesn't seem like. There's JMU sports to talk about as men's basketball has played the worst Division One schedule. Maybe not the worst, maybe second worst uh, Division One college basketball schedule in the nation. Women's basketball, not much better. Um, so you may have forgotten that basketball exists, but conference play is right around the corner. And I know we've been pooping on conference play in the last few podcasts. But according to some people, the Sun Belt is actually good. Uh, Louisiana is actually ranked higher than JMU in the mid-major top 25. Um, Don't know what metric they're looking at to get that because every single advanced metric puts JMU as the best team by far, followed by by Marshall. Louisiana is a few teams down. But I didn't mean to go on like some weird soapbox there to start the podcast. That was a little oopsies. I like that. So do you want to just dive right into this podcast? Yeah, we got to give a shout out to our three notch boys. Uh, we love them in Harrisonburg. They're our bros. They uh, sweet potato casserole. The four. They've new stuff. They've new stuff. They've new stuff. I haven't updated the read. I haven't updated no. the read. Keep talking, and I'll let you know. Yeah, well, I love going there, and uh, I love three notch beer. So I'm excited that they're they're hanging out with us for basketball season. Bad schedule, but uh, good beer for the bad schedule. Two new taps. Came really? into Three Notch Valley Collab House four days ago. Santa's Beard, an okay. Imperial Blonde Ale, and Fruitless Endeavor, a Mojito Hazy IPA. Both of those sound delicious. I imagine the Imperial Blonde Ale is like a high percentage alcohol beer that tastes like beer or tastes like a Blonde Ale if you like Blonde Ales. And mm. a Fruitless Endeavor, Mojito Hazy IPA sounds fantastic. I would consume both of those. I'd consume them at it at an irresponsible drink responsibly, folks. Okay, all right. Sorry, I'm updating the read so that it looks good at the bottom. Oh, that's the, that's nice. Are you going to tell us about golf soon? You know, you know what's really sad. I had completely forgotten to do all reads. Like I was just about to dive right. As you I saw, like I brought that. up the lower third. I was ready to dive right into LIU, cop in, and then what to expect in conference play. But you're right. We do have some golf to uh, take care of before we move any further. Not only golf, but basketball. 
Basketball is back, folks, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest way to bet on all of your sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, college football, bowl season, um, college basketball, women's college basketball, if they have those lines, even golf. Head to betonline.ag, betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Deposit $100, get $50 in free bets. Deposit $200, get $100 in free bets. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, promo code B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And not to take this podcast off of a tangent right off the jump, but there's not a lot to talk about this week. Maryland just opened sports betting, and uh, I saw your tweet. They did over like half their handle in free bets. It was a lot of their handle. I think it was like a third or something, basically. Promotional play, pretty big deal. But a lot of it is um, for the operators was deducted from the tax revenue they pay to the state. So there's $180-plus million wagered on the internet in the last like <laughs> week of November, and it netted the state $4,000. <laughs> <laughs> so uh there's some limits there after a while with promotional play so eventually it'll lead to some more state tax revenue but uh yeah pretty funny at the beginning that's amazing well you know what else is funny jmu schedule that is exactly the segue i was using to talk about jmu men's basketball schedule i mean we talk about it every week we've been called elitist for this take but it's an absolutely abysmal schedule it is it, it just sucks. And I, and then you're looking at, oh, yeah, you got LIU coming to town to finish out the non-conference home slate. I'm so and, – and by the way, I don't want to like try and poo-poo too much on JMU for making this schedule. I know we've talked about it in past podcasts. COVID really put them in a bind and it made it hard to schedule and it's still hard to schedule. So this year I'm not too – I'm upset about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm really not a fan of this absolutely abysmal schedule. But I will say – I get it, but if we have another bad schedule next year, that's when I'm gonna that's when I'm gonna riot on the AEBC. I think it'll be better next year. I do. Why is that? I think so. I think at least the way that it's been explained, their terrible schedule was essentially they with COVID, right? You had to push some of those like exciting home games to last year because you wanted fans there. So what they yeah. had ODU. Four was a conference game. Now it's con- well, it wasn't a conference game nowadays. Yeah, but like Mason and UVA were like sweet home games that you sort of stacked last year with fans in the building, and kind of lived up to the hype. Like they're really cool. They beat UVA for the first time in program history. So they I think did. they're sort of yeah, they did. A lot of people forget that, but they um, they had that nice win, and they had the nice Mason win, and now they've sort of paid the price of of not having. Uh, yeah. home games with those teams they don't have mason at all on the schedule which is disappointing but some of it too apparently was their i guess the way they finished last season with their net 
in their overall sort of Ken Palm, whatever, the way they're viewed was like a talented team that could beat someone. Yeah. But also it would look horrible in your resume so that people don't want to schedule you. So if they can have a good season this year and like somebody can go to your place and they lose and it's quad one or quad two in the committee's eyes, they're way more willing to do that than like, hey, we have to play a very competent team that could beat us but still look horrible. Yeah, and I think we talked about that a little bit when the schedule was first released, that it's more so important for JMU not only to win the Sun Belt this year, but we were kind of jokingly talking about at-large bids. But it was it was just as important to rack up some wins, especially in this non-conference, rack up some wins in Sun Belt. And then that way you position yourself as a quad two, quad one even, which is big for getting people, like you said, into the stadium, into the AUBC, not only just to get them onto the schedule to travel to them, but I mean, the best, you had UVA and North UNC, and those were the only teams in the top 172 in Ken Palm. And they just happened to be the number one team at the time, according to the AP top 25 and the number three team. So you just want to get to a spot where a home loss is a quad one or a quad two loss and a home and a road. You know what I'm saying? A loss of the AUBC for the team that went is either a quad one win or a quad two win slash loss mm-hmm. or a, the opposite, the right. vice versa is the same thing. Um, which I think if JMU finishes out, and correct me if I'm wrong, based off of their net and based off of their Ken Palm, if JMU finishes out in this same rough uh, ranking, there'll be a quad one home loss next year. So if you go to AUBC and lose to JMU on the road, they that would be a quad one loss, quad one win. Yeah, they seem like they have a chance to, to be in that realm. I kind of, the more I like we explain it out loud, the more it kind of sounds ridiculous though, where it's like if you're an opposing team, you could have done any level of research and realized that like they had a lot of injuries and a lack of motivation at the end of last year, returned a ton of talent, and we're not going to be a quad <laughs> three. You know what I mean? Where it's like they thought we were a quad three, which feels a little lazy. Like we have the worst schedule in the country. It's not actually the worst schedule in the country, but like it's up there. I'm, it's a crappy schedule. The the North Carolina and Virginia it's carry 189th. It's 189th, 210th when you just look at straight overall, 207th in non-conference. What you're sorry. It's a crap schedule, but it's like Virginia and North Carolina carry a lot of weight in terms of like making yeah. it not the worst. But it's it's just frustrating because it's like, oh, we have this dog crap schedule. Dog water. Because, you know, they thought we were a quad three. It just it feels a little lazy. I don't know. Like the description of it where it's like, <laughs> oh, we couldn't get anyone. We had to get, you know, an LIU team that's never going to win a game. Like they're they're really. <laughs> I like how you said that and then slowed down your hotness of this take because you, I don't know what, what through your mind. I think part of the reason. I, maybe it was LIU, Rod Strickland coming they through. Just and did you're the like... Strickland, they did the Strickland thing because I think they thought that would be like fun and cute, which it kind of is. But then, like, Terrell Strickland hasn't actually played yet because he's been injured, so it's unclear if he'll even be available for the game, which becomes a lot less entertaining and cute when the, the Suns just in sweats on the bench. So I don't know. But, it, it, like, the other games suck. Like, three non-D1s, I don't, I don't think there's an excuse for that. Yeah, there's no excuse for that. Literally, uh, there's excuse for the one in Coastal Georgia because the, yes. the Invitational or whatever they want to call that Savannah thing – uh, a team dropped out, so you needed to fill it. And I've been seeing mixed things that Coastal Georgia was part of it, but then I've seen other things that are that saying Coastal Georgia wasn't part of it. 
But like on the broadcast, when Jamie lost to Valpo, they're like, well, they've played the three game. They played the two games leading up to this and back to back days in the Savannah region, whatever the whatever it was called. But and then I saw the other Jamie was like, we added Coastal Georgia because a team dropped out. It's not part of it. And then I saw Jamie. So it's all been a very confusing schedule. And, and like you said, I mean, Jamie's returning one of the most experienced uh, rosters in the entire nation. They're eighth in the league in D1 experience. They average 3.21 years. Um, so, yeah, any team that saw that should have been like. But I guess you're also then playing kind of playing chance. Where you're like, well, what if the team actually isn't good? But I think they're playing that. Which is true. This is true. But I think that you have to do that either way, right? Where, like, if you're going off of last year's, you're like, oh, that was a quad two. There were some teams last year that were, like, good and were supposed to be good this year that suck. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like you could do a little projecting to be like, yeah. especially if JMU's calling you and pitching you. like. But, but if you good. have the opportunity between, like, a mid-Big East team or a team that's coming off of a low 100 Ken Palm year – a bad net ranking playing in the Sun Belt. Would you rather have that team that if they slip up three games in the Sun Belt, your quad one all of a sudden becomes quad two? Or would you rather take the mid Big East team that can beat a Marquette and then beat a UConn on a random Tuesday and make their quad three into a quad one? Like I'd rather take that bad Big East team. I think that's fair, but it's like we're playing at Coppin State. <laughs> I think that was a row era thing. I think that's a row era contract for what it's worth. I think COVID played, messed it up and pushed it to this because I feel like we've been playing Coppin every other year since played, Roe stepped into the scene. <laughs> they've played eight consecutive road games. They messed up their first, they're a clown program. They played. Oh, tell them about the, the show. You, you explain <laughs> that because you know it better, better so, than I do. I, I don't know what's on the record, off the record. Essentially, Coppin State had to play back-to-back -back games because stuff yeah. happened within their schedule to open the season. They opened the season at Charlotte, and then the next night had to play at Georgetown. They nearly upset Georgetown, too. It, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they played they played at Tennessee Tech. But we're going to – like, those things just frustrate. We've, like, played at Howard. It's, like, all these games that are just on the road against bad teams that don't make sense. And then it's like, oh, okay, we were doing that. You got you must have some really exciting home games. It's like, can I interest you in two non-Division one teams? It's like, well, not really, but they're – you know, they're, are they Bridgewater or Eastern Mennonite? No. We didn't even that's – the, That's the thing. If I'm okay. I'm not okay with it, but I understand it. If it's EMU and Bridgewater, right? If those are the two teams you have as your non-D, like your non-D1 schools. All right, I get it. They're local. Maybe there's some historical thing going on. Whatever it is. You gave me Gallaudet and Valley Forge? Valley Forge has their own player on the women's team making fun of their men's team. You're telling me <laughs> that's the team that came to – that's who you're – All right, guys. November 7th, home opener, season opener. You ready? Valley Forge is coming to town. A team that's not even good in Division Three is coming to town. Did Valley Forge even have the budget to travel? Sorry, that was it's rude. Just, I'm sorry, Valley Forge, if you're it's listening. so frustrating. And then it's like, you know, we really want to get home fans involved, right, and build something special here at the AUBC. <laughs> the home games. 
Valley Forge, Hampton, Eastern Kentucky, Gallaudet, LIU. That's the non-conference home school. Like, you couldn't pay me to want to go to those. It's it's also objectively hilarious how much they've beaten up on this schedule. Yes. Outside really of their two, outside of their top the top twenty five Ken Palm losses against UNC and UVA, they are what seven and one. Their loss was to Valpo, which was their third game in three days, overtime, eighty one seventy nine loss. The rest against D or I guess not against against, you know what I mean. They just are beating up teams with an average margin of victory of like thirty one. They played really well. They're a good team. It's just frustrating with the schedule, and it'll get better in the future. It's just an annoying thing this year. But they should win the next two and go into conference play ten and three. So I don't know. I think they're going to have a good chance in the conference. I think the conference has some okay teams, not great teams. Well, you want to talk about it? Yeah, we should probably talk about the Sun Belt. Yeah, I mean, apparently they're not as bad as we've been making them out to be. I mean. Per Ken Palm, they're the 14th best team, whoa, 14th best conference in the nation ahead of the ASUN, the SOCON, the MAC, uh, Big South, CAA, Big Sky, Summit, Horizon, Patriot, America East, Mideastern, uh, excuse me, the MEAC, Ohio Valley, South, the SWAC, Southland, all of those we know are some real competitors. Um, but but they're, a lot, they're essentially the same as the Ivy League. They're about one whole point worse than Missouri Valley. Yeah. That's about where they are. But a lot of – so Louisiana in the mid-major top 25, which is a mid-major top 25 AP poll, well, I guess more akin to the coaches poll. They get mid-major coaches from around the league, around the nation, to vote on the top 25. Louisiana, who's 9-1 and one, um, and is 129th in Ken Palm, is 6th in that top 25. JMU is 22nd. Um, I'm not saying it's fraudulent like the AP top 25, but I think the coaches who are probably more worried about their schedule and what's happening on a day-to-day basis, you know, Randy Bennett is a voter, so I imagine he's more worried about what's happening with St. Mary's than he is what's happening between the uh, intricacies of JMU and Louisiana's schedule. I think when he sees a 9-1 and team, he probably favors them over a 8-3 JMU team. Um, but, I mean, Marshall's a solid good team. JMU, Louisiana, Troy has the potential to be solid. Um, Southern Miss is still nine and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have some teams. Okay, I think it's getting a little over overhyped, right? There was some talk today about like how many teams <laughs> they have in the top one hundred and fifty of the net, and that means that the league should be considered like up there with the Mountain West and stuff. That's can dumb. I can I read you the exact quote? You can, yes. So this is from. College Basketball Insider, or just saw it, sorry, College Insider Inc. Um, if you're watching the live stream, you see the graphic on my phone. They make it look official, but I don't think it's actually that official. Uh, the account has, oh, it's it's kind of official. That's a, that's a decent account. It was a nonsensical tweet, I think, but. Maybe the tweet's making me feel a little, uh, little upset about it. And I quote. The Sunbelt Conference has five teams in the top 100 of the net and seven in the top 150. Uh, Just a little insider information. This isn't part of the quote. When someone says the top 150, odds are that team's like 148. 
because they would round it right. up to make it sound better. Right. <laughs> Which is just as many as the Pac-12 and more than the AAC, A-10, C-USA, CAA, not sure why he's using CAA as a barometer, MAC, MWC, and MVC. And the Sun Belt has more in the top 100 than the WCC. That's the conference that Gonzaga's in, Bennett. The West Coast Conference. That's led by Gonzaga, San Francisco, and St. Mary's. <laughs> Translation, the Sun Belt Conference is pretty damn good. <laughs> you could... You could go into a lot of them. They have a tweet about <laughs> Yale's head coach, and the picture is just not him. It's with the guy who gave the quote. It's super confusing. Anyway, so I guess they put the people who gave the quote on the graph. They do, yeah. Okay, that confused that. I was like, that's not James Jones. <laughs> um, no, but the um, the Sunbelt thing, basically they, they have a bunch of tweets today that are like graphics that are trying to get engagement, which makes a lot of sense. And this one did the best, so kudos to them because the Sun Belt was eating it up. But the Sun Belt's not as good as those league. It's a very cherry picked stat. It's better than the CAA. I'm getting more excited about the Sun Belt. Yeah. But I, I do hope the people aren't like because with football, there's like actual statistics. I feel like that you can be like, this league's legit. Sun Belt does not have that in basketball right now. It's not like wow, this is the A10. Like no, stop it, please. Because the bottom this of the is the WCC. Stinks. Bottom of the league stinks, and the top team doesn't have like final four threats like jmu looks really good they look like the best of the best and they had a generously were given like a 13 seed in joe lenardi's bracketology right <laughs> so they don't have like a it's not like they have a four seed running around it's like wow you know we could not be a 16 seed yeah i i agree and and i think you you nailed it on the head where football this this team you can back it up and it has some true top 25 talented teams in 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 college basketball I don't think, and I know a week ago or two weeks ago, I came on here with a hot take. JMU's going to get ranked in the top 25. I don't think this league has an at-large caliber team. Even if JMU wins out, even if Marshall wins out, like, and then doesn't win the conference, they probably would get an at-large, but I think they'd get waxed round one, which to me tells me you're not necessarily an at-large caliber team. Right. But you're not the A-10 with VCU, Richmond, Dayton. Um, hit me with other A-10 good schools. I ran out pretty quick. Mason, all, they're not St. Really Louis great. is pretty good. St. Louis is – you're not the WCC. I mean, even Pacific gives it to Gonzaga every year. Like if JMU played Gonzaga this year, we're probably losing by 20-plus. Like the Sun Belt will be fun. I think it's a lot better than what the CAA has become. And I'm not trying to – Shovel dirt on the CAA because we left them and they and, and it was a bad breakup. The CAA got exponentially worse with the additions after of who they lost. I mean, adding teams like Howard, right? Uh, I think Hampton. I, I ask you these questions like I don't have the information right in front of me. Um, Hampton, Stony, Brook, Hampton, Stony Brook, Hampton, Monmouth, Monmouth NCANT. Yeah, they added some really, really bad teams, they which have, is a shame for Charleston because Charleston's sick. They have three teams, four teams in the CAA, sub 300 in Ken Palm. Monmouth, 
Hampton, Stony Brook, and Elon. Elon's the only team they didn't bring. Elon is the only legacy CAA team. Um, but all that's to be said, the Sun Belt only has one sub-300 team. And the worst Sun Belt team is 318. The fifth best team in the CAA is around Louisiana Monroe's kind of weight class. Yeah. They have I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Sun Belt will be a lot of fun. But I also do want to pump the brakes that it's not this yeah. amazing conference. And it's similar to that of the CAA of past years. It's going to be fun. JMU's going to get tested. JMU's the best team in the CAA, but in the Sun Belt. But I mean, last year, Towson was the best team in the CAA, and they were like a 76 in Ken Palm all year, too. Right. Yeah, so it's like a whatever lower-end mid-major, but it's not, not the bottom of the totem pole. But I'm excited for conference play to finally get here. I'm really excited and I have this game circled that December 31st, new year's Eve game against Marshall. Yeah. Like for a lot of reasons, but like mainly because that game is going to be electricity and bet the over. If you're a betting person in a state where betting is legal, head to bet online. If you're listening and I will go to DRF Sportsbook, and like that Marshall JMU game is going to go on the over, but that to me is who's the best team. That's the measuring stick for the first three quarters of the Sun of Sun Belt Conference tournament of conference play. That's the winner. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a big one. If, especially if they can get that early on the road, that'd be a big one. That'd be a big one. I lost you. Then their next big, back. <laughs> then the next big measuring stick game, maybe South Alabama, maybe Troy. Yeah. Both road games too, right? So that would that would be interesting to see those. I they just, only I play think, Louisiana once. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna win a bunch of games. I'm not overly concerned. But I'll I'll follow along. I think it'll be interesting. One hundred percent. You know what else is gonna be interesting? Women's basketball. Will you apologize to Coach O? Seven and two, four wins in a row. You're putting him, uh, putting him on, on a little heater. Turn the heat up, and now he's he's saying, "Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do now." I don't mean this in a rude way. I kind of do. No, I don't. I don't. I don't mean this in a rude way. The heat's still all the way on. No, no, it's not. <laughs> There's no heat. There's no heat. There's no heat? There's ben, no heat. Get off of this podcast. What do you mean there's no heat? There's no heat. There's seven and two. Yeah, okay. One of their losses. When was the last time he won a championship? How is he supposed to do that? How is he supposed to do that in the first month of the season? There's no heat. They're the best team in the Sun Belt. They had they made huge strides. Against William Mary, they had 19 assists in 12 turnovers. When's the last time they did something like that? It's been a while. When was the last time they did back-to-back games of that? Of exactly 19 assists? No, no, no. Just of a just positive, positive? Just a positive. Turnover. I would say it would be the last two because against Maryland Eastern Shore, they had 18 Fuck. to 15. So they're starting to make a little strides with, like, passing the ball, which I think some of that is Caroline Germond getting She's healthy good. again. She's really that good. helps. Hazel, eight points, eight rebounds, five assists, four of nine shooting, two blocks and a steal, only one turnover in the last game. That's insane. If she can do that's that. The, that's the stat line you need out of Hazel. 
if she can, yeah, if she has more assists than turnovers, it completely changes what they're doing. I mean, if if JMU is able to score more points than the opponent, that's amazing. That's huge. I think the thing that excites me is they're good offensively, and they're adding Kobe King Hawea. Please pause for dramatic effect. They're adding who? Sorry, one more time. Kobe King Hawea. And Kobe King Hawea, according to everyone out there, is going to be the the best player we've ever seen. <laughs> Coach I mean, O is. You, yeah, if you talk with Coach O, it sounds like Coach he believes like, that. He was on. Uh, he spoke with Dave Rigger, and he was like, "You know, I don't want to overhyper." <laughs> and, and then he goes, "It's incredible what she can do. I can't wait to unleash the kid. She's going to be a treat to watch." Well, I'm overhyped. <laughs> Mistake made because I'm I'm going here. I'm talking about Kobe King Awea. And I might talk about her all year. The stuff that she can do according to what he says in little tidbits. I've never seen anything like it, literally, because she hasn't played yet. But it's unbelievable <laughs> what she might be able to possibly do potentially. What position will she play? Oh, she plays every position. She's positionless. Okay, what's the starting lineup going to look like with Kobe King Hawea? And he was saying he was saying he has to calm down Neil Harrow, his assistant coach, because he'll be like, "We can play this lineup." He's like, "Why don't we just wait until she's healthy, and then you can tell me what lineup you want to play?" Because <laughs> she's not here right now. We have a game tomorrow. So <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that on a coach because <laughs> yeah. I'm assistant coach Neil Harrow, where I'm like, uh, once we get Terrell Strickland back." We could play like 15 different iterations of this starting five. Where if I'm him, I'm also sitting back and I'm like, okay, we could put Kobe King away at the three, at the four, at the. On that one. At the five, at the one. Like, I'd be having so much fun with it. If I was an assistant coach, that's what I would do. I would just be the uh, rotation man. <laughs> I think that's what they're they're getting into. But she's she's listed as a guard forward. So she's six feet tall with guard skills. So they can kind of move her all over. I imagine she'd sort of play like on the wing. But you could go so you could go Germond at point. Uh-huh. You could go like Peyton McDaniel okay. at the two. Okay. You could go Kobe King Hawaii at the three. And you could do like Kiki at the four. And then you're going with Sucha Kozlova at the five. Or or Anna Goodman's supposed to come back soon. She could play the five. Or you could obviously change it up and have people um, come off the bench and stuff, right? You obviously don't have those five at the same time. But a sneaky bit. I know we've been talking a lot about Kobe King Hawaii. And her return to the starting lineup. Goodman coming back is also massive. Because Goodman is a big man who has been one of the top players in, in the post for JMU. Over the last couple of years, and and that kind of shakes up that entire rotation in the front court, a rotation that has been kind of shallow, and that once they were able to bring everyone back, gets a lot deeper, a lot quicker. Yeah, that's huge, and I think Kozlova's interesting because Coach O in the same interview. I don't want to hype her up, but I mean, she's the best Russian player <laughs> we've ever seen at James Madison. <laughs> he gave some great great stuff on on Kozlova and he was like when she was at Middle Tennessee he didn't say that specifically but he was like her last place they had a short leash with huh. missed shots I wonder if Coach O has some beef with Middle Tennessee if he, he was throwing a little shade which I, I like a lot really he was like she would miss some shots and you know 
it would be a quick like pull out of the game. And he was telling her, like, if you defend and rebound, I don't really care if you're missing, right? Like, if yeah, you're coach, oh, I would prefer to hit her shots. Well, yeah, but like, if you're <laughs> you're you're given the green light to shoot, if you can go out and defend and rebound. So the game prior, she played 17 minutes against Maryland Eastern Shore. She was two of eight. She had no rebounds in 17 minutes. No rebounds. And then in this one, she has a. 10 rebounds, six offensive, 11 points. Wasn't shooting an incredible percentage, but I think that's kind of more of like, look, like you're going to miss some layups and I'm not going to kill you for it. If you're rebounding like a lunatic, right? Like if you're really crashing the glass. So you have that plus Goodman plus McDaniel Jefferson, Kobe King away. That's a pretty good combo with like, you got some rebounders, legit post players who can defend and then you've got three unbelievably good scores. And then you add in a little Jermond, Hazel, whoever else you want, Claire Neff, right? Some others. And you're looking at probably by by far the best team in the Sun Belt. Like that team should win the Sun Belt. That's an excessive amount of talent. Do you still have her hoop stats or has your uh, – I think I still I think I still have it. Let me see if I can pull up. So while you pull that up, JMU has at William & Mary, at Hampton. They have no more home games in their non-conference slate. Maryland Eastern Shore, the 70 to 59 win back on December 4th was their last home game. Their next home game will be December 29th against Coastal Carolina. Um, and that opens up conference play. They'll also play Old Dominion that weekend as well on the 31st. Eastern Michigan, St. Joseph's, or Wright State in the hot classic up in Philadelphia after they wrap up this game on Saturday against Hampton. There's a strong possibility JMU wins their final seven going into conference play where then you look at conference play and maybe it's just that I don't know Sunbelt women's basketball good enough as I, as well as I did CAA. And that's probably the answer, but you look at it and you see, they could be stacking other stack, stacking together some double digit wins. I mean, heck you could be sitting at nine wins in a row uh, by the time you go on the road in your first conference road game at Marshall on January 5th. Yes. And and I that think that's correct. a really good and and no I I get what I'm saying about Coach O hot seat everything like that and my point on the hot seat and it, I mean it started off with a home loss to Maine is just inexcusable and and you'd be looking a lot better uh, at eight and one if you could have pulled out that win and even you had a, a halftime lead over UNC but I won't get into all that I mean seven and two they have started this season damn well some big time wins some resilient wins you go out and you beat maryland eastern shore by 11 points after trailing by seven at halftime you put on an absolute clinic in the fourth quarter i get it my point is that i feel like we should hold coach o a little bit more accountable for not winning that many conference tournament games and i know you disagree with that and my my outlook on this won't change until we get to conference tournament and whatever happens if he wins the conference tournament this year everything i said is in, entirely wrong he has one of the best <laughs> what? play that's a house of cards take you got it just just barely hanging around then if he wins the conference tournament it's gone yeah He's won a conference championship. I like that. That's a high standard. Very specific. Standard. I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's been here for how – this could be an entire podcast of you just poking holes in my Coach O argument, but I it stand It mostly by deals it. with COVID. It's mostly COVID. But there – it has – her hoop stats has Old Dominion rated higher, 
Okay. But it also doesn't. So is that a barometer game? Because you have ODU on December 31st, your second conference home game. Is that the biggest day of the year for JMU? <laughs> it might Basketball. be. Basketball. In recent memory, honestly, That's if JMU wins both of those games, I'm here to say that both teams will make the NCAA tournament. I love that. I think the ODU one's a big one for sure to get a feel for where they are. I'll also say the the Her Hoops rating is obviously not factoring in Kobe King Hawaii. But it it will eventually when she plays. I think it might take some time to figure out the lineup with her. So I kind of want to see what they look like like in early February, late January, as they're gearing up to to peak into the conference tournament, which is something I would like to see them do. And I don't know that they would do this. And I don't think they necessarily should. But if they are like atop the sun belt, maybe they're pulling away a little bit. I'm not saying they should, I'm not saying they should do some load management. I'm saying in the past, they've had some some tough breaks with injuries and things like that and kind of wearing down at the end of the season. Those so were wear down injuries. It would be nice to see them the get, last you know, like get, five games. They just go full bench. They rest everybody and they get say we're the king of the we're the king of the East, right? In football, we're the king of the Sun Belt in basketball. We don't even have to play our starters, and they still go out. They're running out like an all freshman team, and they still go out and win their last five. I think that'd be cool. get out of here. If Coach O is listening, I'd like him to do that. No. Also, we talk about how the men's team like finishes with this huge home stretch. Women's team, kind of the opposite. Three of their last four Sun Belt games are going to be uh, on the road, including a road game on February 18th against Old Dominion, um, which is tough. And then I think one of those is no, never mind, never mind. But <laughs> I thought they're going to play Troy. They play Troy only once, and that's at home, so that's good. Seven of their last ten are on the road. That's tough. So that's got to get off to kind of a hot start in conference play, which can be tough. It can be tough when you're still working some people into the lineup, but I think Kobe King Hawaii is you can finish your sentence. I probably the best player we've ever seen. Perfect. I, I'm way too too excited for her debut, which I blame Coach O. He's like, I don't want to overhype her, but he's, he's done it to me. I'm When's done. her debut? I mean, okay. So it's all about getting eligible, right? You've with been the burying the lead on this. this entire yeah, I probably should have mentioned her debut. <laughs> They're not expecting her Saturday against Hampton. <laughs> It sounded like they're fairly confident that all the grades will be posted in in the registrar and all this stuff by the 19th, which would make her available uh, for the Hawk Classic against Eastern Michigan and then St. Joe's or Wright State. So it sounds like December 20th is the date that they've circled as her debut. Big time. Big time yes. stuff. And she has been practicing with them, right? So it shouldn't be an issue if like... Who has? Kobe King away, uh so it shouldn't be an issue of, uh, I guess you got to get into game shape a little bit, but I don't know. I kind of expect them to hit the ground running a little bit. I love how your take on the women's basketball season is like flip-flop from the men's basketball. Like we are the polar opposite of each other when it comes to the takes on both the men's and women's. Men's, I'm like you on the women's. Women's, you're like me on the men's. Pretty hilarious. I think they're, I think they're both going dancing. I think so too. I think men's for sure. I think, although we saw what granted 
can we talk about a what if? I, there's not we we got to fill a little bit of time here as there's not a lot to talk about this week. Can we talk about um, what if Matt Lewis doesn't get hurt? Does that, that team nice. win a tournament game? An NCAA tournament game? Yeah. No. No, they like, don't. But they would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> they would. It would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> They're playing well at the end of the year. They had some guys on that team that people. Zach Jacobs. Zach, that's exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> Zach Jacobs. Very true. You want a they deep a cut team, of a though. player, real quick? What's that? You want a deep cut of a player? Yeah. Devel Phillips. <laughs> I feel like you do this every like two months. Just get a text. It's like remember Develop Phillips. <laughs> yeah. He was so fun. I do remember him. Man, it crazy. doesn't help that when I got to JMU for the first two years we couldn't dunk, and then we got in this transfer that all of a sudden is just playing above the rim, and it was like, whoa, you're allowed to play like that in college basketball. Yeah, that was fun. Man, bring back Devel Phillips. Bring him back. Let's see what he's got. I'm excited about both teams. Yep. They're they're playing well and it's good. It's good. And moving on from the AUBC where both teams will be going dancing. But as conference play ratchets up, we'll be able to kind of take a deeper cut. Just so you guys are aware, our schedule, I think, for basketball will be recording most likely Monday nights, recapping the weekend of games. And then previewing the the next weekend of games, which will be a little bit of a couple days of lead time. Uh, mm-hmm. But that is our rough schedule for basketball season rather than doing two or three podcasts trying to jam it all in. Just do one, all one fail swoop, cover it all. And uh, we'll be having our three-notched opponent previews and everything like that with deep dives into analytics and stats. As we get them... And then moving on from the hardwood over to the green grass of Bridgeforth Stadium. The portal continues on. Dukes are making some waves. Hit me with them. You're the portal tracker, dude. Made a, I made a portal tracker. Ruffled some, ruffled some feathers with a breeze. I think, a little... I think the DNR did it, too. I think the DNR. Oh, well, no. Noah. Shout that. out Noah Fleischman for just having a, like, a running Google sheet of it that he would post screenshots of. Yeah, exactly. But I thought it would be good. Like 75% for my own notes because it's super hard to track the portal. So they've they added give to... media access to the portal. Go ahead. Yes. There's no reason <laughs> there shouldn't be just like a portal. Everyone can access to see when people enter and who they pick. And I know that like what, like 24 seven arrivals do something like it, but we should have access to an actual portal database that they put their name in. <laughs> And you can sell ads on it or something. I don't know who it would go to. The NCAA, because they're not Yeah, sure. The NCAA can take it. It would be awesome. Anyway, they got Ty Sun Lawton. Ty Sun! Sorry. Sorry, I said that wrong. I said that wrong. Ty Sun! Woo! He's uh, he's an interesting one. Running back from Stony Brook. One year of eligibility left. He's run for, for over... 2,102 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 27 games played with the (laughs) Seawolves. He's an interesting (laughs) one because they've got some guys at running back, right? Palmer, Kalon Black. I like Wayne Knight a lot. And then you add in Lawton. It's like, okay, they should be good at running back. Yeah, I think they just – I think they're replacing Percy with Lawton, and they're they're probably giving that, like, third – 
role. This I'm, I might be looking way too much into this. That third role, I think. Or, shoot. I've already cursed twice on this podcast. This is an NSFW one. Um, honestly, this might be number two. Like, Latrell seemed to fall out of favor late in that season. Yeah. Well, he was he more did. situational. I where, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one, Kalon Black, two, A, Lawton, two, B, Palmer, three, Knight. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense to me. They've also added a few wide receivers, such Phoenix. as Phoenix Sproles. Yeah, they're going to go get some more. They have a lot of receiver offers out of guys who just haven't like made their decision yet, so I imagine there's at least a couple more coming there. And then they added Trayvon Jones, who's a defensive back from Elon, who I guess had actually played a little bit of safety for them, even though he's like 175 pounds, so he's more like, feels like, more like corner kind of size. But he's played in 38 career games for them, has a lot of experience. They're... Obviously, the past defense gave up some yards last year, but they kind of return good talent. So I don't know exactly. Like, I'm not saying Trayvon Jones is like guaranteed to start, but I think he definitely comes in and adds like veteran depth and he'll have a chance to compete with some of the young guys, which feels like a good, smart move. And I imagine Signetti knows him pretty well with him having been in Elon for a while. So at the very least, there was um, like we play Elon overlap, right? So I'm sure he's watched him on film a bunch and some of the coaches that were there when he was there. Can I ask a dumb question that I don't know if you know the answer to? Yeah. Would there have been overlap with him recruiting Jones and his time at Elon? Possibly, but I don't remember exactly when he committed. So there's a decent chance there was. He got to Elon in 2019. He was a freshman in 2019, which I guess would be Signetti's first year at Jones. So, yeah, so then he definitely recruited him, yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I what was what was my worrisome group throughout the season in the secondary? I think will be one of the strong suits of that JMU defense next year. Um, with the return of Logan, with the return of Austin yeah. Jones, Mihan, Surratt, Q Reed, all of those guys. I think that secondary takes a mom, like a a monumental leap forward if everything that I'm thinking happens, if that projection where you project them to get better from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior, junior to senior, senior to super senior, all of those, if those projections happen, I think the secondary is one of the best in the Sun Belt. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. They also added Ryan Hansen, a Thank punter from Arkansas State, which is a, a pretty smooth little addition where he was, he was like a, one of the better punters in the Sun Belt. Um, the last few years has two years of eligibility. He's, Seems just like an immediate, there's your starting punter. Did JMU's punter graduate? Yeah, it was Sam a grad Clark? transfer. Clark was the Sacramento State grad transfer. I think he was like a six-year guy or something. Got it. I think. So now they've got uh, they've got what you would expect to be the starting punter. Also interesting, they have been somewhat aggressively recruiting kickers. Have they really? Yes, they had, um, it was Texas State's kicker, Seth Keller. He um, visited over the weekend and tweeted about that. He's like, he's 86% career on field goals, and he's made a field goal of at least 48 yards in three consecutive seasons. And he's got like the most made field goals in (laughs) Texas State's program history. So that would be one where it's like, interesting 
because Camden Wise still has eligibility and actually came on reasonably strong at the end of the year, but I think struggled with some of the distance. So I think there's a possibility if they get Keller, Keller could be your favorite going into camp to start with a competition. And then Wise would be like an absurdly experienced depth piece for a group of five team at kicker. It, it <laughs> so. almost reminds me of that Tyler Gray, Ethan Racky experience when Racky yeah. came on when Gray like got injured for a few weeks and then Racky just never gave up the starting position. Granted, because Ratke went on to become like the best kicker in NCAA history for, in terms of like points and percentages. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just funny to me that it almost gives me that type of vibe where Tyler Gray was this guy who hit that North Dakota State kick, but overall in his career wasn't necessarily like the strongest kicker. But we all had him as like this mythic hero, and then right. Ethan Racky comes in and just takes him over, and that could happen again. Pretty interesting. A f- few departures. Anthony Johnson, a name that uh, everyone knows very well. Um wide receiver redshirted 2022 now in the portal andrew adair liberty transfer played in two games going to charlotte going to charlotte uh, i think it's from uh you and dom the influence there <laughs> that is, i mean i did call up adair and i said if you want to start come on down to charlotte biff yeah. poji i remember that yeah doing some big things in uh in the queen city aaron weir the long snapper was not a starter starter um he's transferring Anthony Eaton, he's also transferring. He was a running back. So they've lost four guys that just, like, want to play more from my understanding, right? It's like they weren't playing a lot, and I think they just want to go somewhere where they can play. So, so far, so good in terms of, like, not losing a key starter. Still pretty early, so you never know. But, like, so far they've added guys who could start, and they've only lost guys who just want to go somewhere else so they can play, which seems like – pretty ideal so they've had a really good start to to transfer portal season the other part that's getting me excited is like high school recruits and um and some of the transfer guys they're like battling with like legit schools which is cool (laughs) that wasn't much of a battle but they (laughs) we should that was the weird and i i won't get into it never mind no we gotta get into it it was just weird like i'm not bashing the kid for making Jarvis a Green like, running Jar- back yeah, he, Jar- he is now committed to Clemson I mean go get go to Clemson oh, like yeah. 100% just weird that you were like I'm committed 100% to JMU and then like was openly getting courted by like SEC and ACC schools while being committed to JMU where it's like okay he's clearly not staying here but why is he committed the committed thing is nonsense people just say it now like recruits when it's like they just don't mean it, but they like. I say think he that just they've... he had to have just done it, like to almost like Mike Houston leaking that he got the job at Charlotte. It was to strong arm ECU into giving him a, an offer. It was almost like Jarvis Green being like, "Hey guys, I'm committed. You better like bring me your offers soon, or I'm playing at James Madison." And Clemson was like. All right. It was also funny because he was committed, and in his like interviews, he's like, "Well, Clemson's my dream school." <laughs> I understand why people, why Jamie fans were like offended, but it's also like <laughs> I would like a South Carolina kid's not gonna be like, nah, I'm gonna pass up, you know, this dream school that I have to go play at. <laughs> it's like we can't keep our fans past halftime. He's like, I would like to pass on Clemson for this. <laughs> I understand why why he would not like Clemson have more fans in their stadium 
like during COVID, like the <laughs> peak COVID <season laughs> than JMU has on a normal pumped up Saturday. So like, I understand why he would do it. I also understand why some fans were upset, even though there's no reason to like tweet at him or do that. But yeah, he made the decision that he made. But it is it is weird, like when because I feel like a lot of Jamie fans, myself included, have not paid much attention to previous recruiting battles because it's like I don't I don't even know if there are battles. They just tell me like who the, who the fifteen in the class are. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll learn about you in three years, right? Like you don't <laughs> you don't know who any of them <laughs> actually are unless you're like super obsessed with recruiting. But now that it's like going up and you got like kids who have the three and the four star, you're like, whoa. So then when they do something like that. Have, like, there's been, have there's been a four-star commit? Have they Not offered a four-star? They've offered four stars. They're starting to offer four stars that are like, got an offer from JMU, and they're like hype about the with the tweet. And then like an hour later, they're like, got an offer from Penn State. And I'm like, oh, my God. We're the best <laughs> team in the world. Oh, my so, God. We're going to lose to Penn State. <laughs> sick. No, but it's that's kind of how recruiting goes. It's like people, they randomly verbally commit. A verbal commit means nothing. And then all the schools swoop in. He had been actively lobbying for Virginia Tech. South Carolina and Clemson like well, getting in on his commitment for a while. So it's not like a surprise. He just said that he was committed, which is, I don't even care. I think it's fun. Like I thought it was sweet when he was like getting offered by Clemson, but he's still in his bio. He still had Jamie football commit. And I was like, gosh, think of all the marketing. <laughs> What's hilarious is that you're committed to Colorado as we speak. And that holds as much weight as any other high school recruit saying they're verbally committed to a school. I am coach prime. And I have had, you know, we haven't talked yet. Well, you got that. You got the awesome graphic that says Coach Prime offered me. Coach Prime offered me. We've been in talks. He wants me to do a little of everything, which is why I'm skeptical. I might want to go somewhere else and just be like the quarterback. He wants me well, to be like quarterback receiver. Does he want you to be quarterback receiver and podcast host or or what? He does. His podcast on the table. And he wants me to edit the documentary that he's constantly oh, filming. Wow. So that's there's just a lot of stuff that I don't <laughs> know if I can handle it with an academic workload at Colorado that I would expect to be pretty darn hefty. <laughs> so no, but the recruiting stuff's weird. I'm gonna try not to pay too much attention to it. I like the portal more, to be honest with you. Portal's more fun to pay attention to because they're just is like so much fun. They also don't waste time because like the window is so fast. And I think like if you don't commit, they'll be like, Oh, your offer doesn't exist anymore because um, we need to go which, offer a freshman. That's what people also forget too with the portal and like offers. It's like they'll be like, Oh, I offered you if this, 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 and this happened. We saw it with Gunnar Holmberg. That's not his name. Yeah. Was that his name? Yeah, he didn't have the uh what they, the credit. But they offered him. And yeah, there was another all- kid there was an ODU kid that just came out and was like <laughs> That's really funny. There's an ODU kid who's still at the school and has played like the last two years and he goes, Oh, I tried to transfer to JMU, but they didn't take my credits. Why do you think I'm at this sorry ass school? And it was like, <laughs> bro, you're still there. I think he graduated now. I think he's But <laughs> still, all of your, your profile picture is you in an ODU jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. I'm sure the coaches are so pissed. Current coaches just like, why? <laughs> why do that? Yeah, I wouldn't have gone here. My transfers, if I, my credits transfer, I would have been at JMU winning FCS national titles. I wouldn't have been at this sorry ass school. <laughs> but there are definitely like JMU offered like 15 wide receivers in the portal. So if three of them say yes, <laughs> the other 12 can't still say, right? Like it's, they would probably call them and be like, there's no spot for you anymore. Do you think 
JMU went after, oh, say, Ollie Jennings, who was the stud receiver for ODU, who didn't play against JMU, but was one of the best wide receivers in the Sun Belt. He transferred to Virginia Tech, was in the portal relatively quickly speaking. Do you think JMU went after him at all, or do you think they were content with kind of this strategy that they've laid out that seems to be go after FCS kids or kids with a lot of eligibility and let them come to the program and grow? They have done that with some of the FCS kids, which I like, where it's like, hey, this guy was a really good FCS freshman just entered the portal. You could get him for three-ish years, and if they transfer again, they would have to do it as a grad transfer or they would sit out. Kind of a decent strategy to be like, I've got this guy for couple years so i don't i don't hate that but yeah they didn't seem like they went after him and i was like oh wow it seems like almost a downgrade going to tech i paid a little more attention tech is like cleaning up recruiting wise and like in the portal they're going to become they're gonna be much better very fast they they lost like 15 people like i saw a report that they had like a bunch of guys in the portal probably because they did what uh, coach prime did but just didn't put it on twitter I think there were some conversations with Brent Pry, who was like, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, Fuente recruited you? Mm, sorry. Have fun. They're one that's going to turn around pretty quick in terms and of, they I need think. to. Yeah, I think, like, being more competitive. UVA is, like, losing their best players and getting some, like, people in. So, like, that game is very winnable next year for JMU because they're not going to look great. Also around the Sun Belt, we just touched on Ollie Jennings, wide receiver from ODU. Grayson McCall hits the portal. Huge for Coastal. Huge impacts on the Sun Belt East. With that transfer, JMU, assuming everything happens, no one else enters the portal from here on out, and that's a major, major, huge, 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 huge assumption. JMU's the favorite to win the Sun Belt next year. Where do you think Grayson McCall lands? Is it at Liberty? Is it at a pair of Power Five? That's a good question. My guess would be Liberty. You think so? I do think so. Okay. Although he could go to a Power Five, I kind of think he's going to go to Liberty, beat up on bad competition, and like have his draft stock kind of high from that. But but he could he could go he could go Power Five. If he goes Power Five, he's got to pick an offense that's like I'd love to see him in Wake's offense. I just don't know if he, I, 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 that would be a lot of fun. I just don't know if he goes to Liberty because, and I get he has that connection with Chadwell, but every major like reporter I've seen of college football have said that McCall is now the number one target in the portal. So I, be, I just be don't see if like, else. I don't see if I don't, I know DTR at UCLA is still at eligibility, but like if UCLA comes sniffing at Grayson McCall, is he really going to say, mm, I'm fine, Chip Kelly. I'm going to go with Jamie Chadwell. That's true. I'd prefer him at a Power 5. He'd be really fun to watch at a Power 5. I think he'd be a, I think the Pac-12 would be a blast with him. That'd be fun. Oregon? In, Oregon would be cool. Bo Nick he's graduated. An, he's an interesting one. So, I'm saying uh, it now. Grayson McCall to Oregon. There you go. I would, I would love to watch him somewhere. He is playing the bowl game. I saw a funny thing earlier that somebody, oh, is the Western Kentucky quarterback decided that he's he's coming back to Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So it's like a recommitment, which I love. I love those. Those are awesome. Where it's like, I'm in the portal. It's like, psych, I'm back. And we're like, 
which every every good player should do. Like if you're a JMU and you want to come back, you absolutely Jalen Walker. We're talking to you. you enter the portal, but then come fake back. Enter the portal and then get a lot of love for it. There's no we, reason not to. We will come on the podcast, Jalen Walker, and sing your praises. Imagine the endorphins you would get from just like how excited people react, and you go through your phone and getting all that. Oh, kind of like us when we post a really good tweet and we're just like exactly oh, we're a disservice exactly. to jmu bring it here but i saw mccall's playing in the bowl game the reason i brought this up western kentucky quarterback austin reed somebody replied to his tweet or something or they're like is he playing in the bowl game and they're like if he's returning why would he, why would he sit out of the bowl game <laughs> i just really enjoyed that because that'd be sweet <laughs> if it's like i'm in the portal i'm coming back but i'm sitting at the bowl i'm spending christmas at home <laughs> 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 that'd be sweet i think i don't want to play in this stupid bowl game though so i will be out for that um last question about the portal and then we'll wrap up the podcast uh, i want your opinion does jmu add another quarterback if so who who do you think they target would love to see grayson mccall i think he'd be a really good backup in the cloud um you. well he could probably be fourth string at jmu Behind Billy, but I'm sorry, I'm kind of shocked we haven't seen a quarterback into the portal. That's I find that interesting as well. Um, that's a good question. I do think they're going to add another quarterback. They offered like Brett Griffiths, I think, from Wake Forest, who's got like four years left. I could see him going for a young quarterback. If not, though, I think they could work really hard to develop Alonza and Billy if he stays. Have those guys as the backups, McLeod with two years, and you still got plenty of time to reload the quarterback room. And if you're Signetti, <laughs> you're going to win the Sun Belt. You're going to go take the West Virginia job. So I don't know. I don't know. Like how far in the, in the future is he looking, right? He's going to need to go five years down the line. He's going to be in Morgantown in a year and a half or a half, not even a year, just about a year. He'll be probably in Morgantown. Can I hit my hot oh. take? Yeah. As you talk about Sandy for some reason, going to I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him because I like him. So he's, everybody savor the time that he's here. Just for he's everyone here. listening to this podcast. Don't listen to Bennett right now. Guarantee, guarantee he has a new job next year. He's, he's right. a good coach. My hot take. Yeah. JMU gets Jeff Sims. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I love that hot take. Has he co- not committed anywhere yet? He hasn't committed anywhere, and I'm on his 247. That's why I was like an off onto the other screen for so long. I was trying to see if there's any like crystal ball who's offered him. 247 yeah. has reported nothing on him. I'm interested. I'm a little surprised with some of those guys. Like Sims, when he first entered, I was like, oh, wow. Like that's. Devin Leary also open, entered the portal. That one there's shocked a, me. There's a lot of good players in the portal now, which is why if the people that entered early, I'm surprised they didn't try to like grab someone immediately and go, boom, I got, you know, I got my offer. Brandon Armstrong's the, in there. The quarterbacks in this, in the transfer portal are absolutely hilarious to me. Just so we can read these off to you guys. Devin Leary, DJ Uyangale, uh Hudson Card, yeah. Luke Altmeyer, who I think he was usurped by Jackson Dart at Ole Miss, but Luke Altmeyer had a good 2021 campaign. Um, Jeff Sims, and you said that uh, Virginia Tech is adding some big-time names. Virginia Tech added Chiron Drones, who's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best transfer QB. Where is he from? Um, Baylor. Yeah. But just in just insane. Shout out Brett Gabbert for committing to Maryland after transferring from Maryland. 
Maryland to Maryland. Tony Musket from Monmouth to UVA. Yeah, Gabbert's interesting. That's uh, that's Blaine's younger brother. That's why I brought him up. And Grant, I, I wanted you the Dukes to well. go. I wanted the Dukes to grab Gabbert. But. What about Mertz? Would you be okay with Graham Mertz? No, respectfully. Yeah. Brandon Armstrong, considering Wisconsin. Huh. Yeah, he's visiting them in Oklahoma State. He should probably go to Oklahoma State. That'd be pretty cool. All right. A little air raid for him would be great. Anything else you want to add? Mm, no. All right. For Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Until next week, we'll be able to dive deep into conference play. Maybe we'll bring on a special guest. Who knows? You all have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube